It is hour to the game, the game after work, the game after dark. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, Travion Berklin is with us today. 537-1350 is our number. If you want to talk cats, football, basketball, whatever, feel free to give us a call. I have fallen down a rabbit hole today because uh, I, I've been enjoying all these videos. Uh, I feel like there's new videos every day of the K-State Big 12 Championship back on Saturday. From you know a montage to the, the videos that Casey put out yesterday, or the video that put out yesterday about just the four-year run to the Big 12 championship. But I, I mentioned montage, at good for another. Put together about a two-minute video of, and I love a good crowd pop, if you know what I mean. Um, put together a montage of K-State fans reacting to the game-winning field goal by Ty Zittner to win it in overtime. From stadium, people watching at home, people watching at bars, and instead of like the crowd noise in the video, uh, it is uh, backed by somewhere over the rainbow the acoustic or not the acoustic but the ukulele version. The uh, I don't know who I can't, I don't know his name. It's like a super long name. Yeah, um, I know who it is. I can't pronounce it though. Right? Yeah, he's it's, a legend in Hawaii though. I don't think he's alive anymore. He's not. Yeah, yeah he passed away. He was huge. He was yeah, like 400 obese. pounds. Yeah. But uh, it, I've watched it six times already. And uh, there was a uh, – if, if you're listening, if you're the one that had the video of the baby walking across the floor to get to dad in celebration, <laughs> I think that was the one. I think that was the one that really got the feelings out of everybody. Uh, Israel – Kamakawi Ole Ole. Just a rough. Easiest way, I-Z. I-Z? I-Z. Was that like an, a legit nickname? Yes. For him? Okay. Well, rest in peace. That was, a, that was a big song at a time. Yes, it was. I remember it in, uh, oh gosh, blanking on the name, but it was, a, it was a song used in a YouTube video that came out a long time ago. Like the birth of K-State football, you remember those, that, mm-hmm. that video? Mm-hmm. I think it was used in that. Passed away in 97. Oh, oh wow, okay. Uh, also called Brudda IZ. I like that. I like that. Again, our number is 537-1350. So uh, I understand that ESPN Plus had some issues last night. <laughs> Were you able to watch any of the game? I haven't tried because, remember, I was at – Manhattan High, so I oh, didn't even get the right. opportunity uh, to. My bad. I forgot that's okay. about that. Yeah. Some, some of us were working. Oh, wait. Never mind. Hey, <laughs> legally, I was working, too. <laughs> I was working in your stead uh, at that one. Um, so, no, I have not gone back to even attempt to try to watch it from last night, well, but the- I, I know it turned into a total storm. Well, so you missed though. You missed the uh, the alley oop off the off the backboard. No, I did see that highlight. Well, you probably saw it because it was posted on Twitter, uh, not only by K State, but it was also number yeah. two on ESPN's yeah. top ten. I saw it when K State posted it last night because Cole and I happened to catch it uh, at halftime of the boys' game. Marcus Noel said that uh, it was the third time a K State uh, dunk has been on Sports Center for the top ten because of Marquise Noel. Nice. You know, the, the the pass from Marquise Noel. And I've said this many times. In, in K-State got the cover last night, 81-64 over Abilene Christian. K-State with another victory. 
I, I still get this reaction that there's some that just don't like Marquise Noel and some that love him. So a big takeaway from the game last night for me was, yes, Marquise Noel didn't shoot the ball well. He was 5 for 13 from the floor, 2 of 6 from three-point range. I mean, it wasn't horrible. And his shooting numbers for the season aren't great so far. He is 31% from three. That could be a lot better, of course, 38% from the floor. But I'll say it again. He always makes up for his mistakes. Always. Last night was an example of that. He didn't have his best game shooting the basketball, like I mentioned. But last night, 12 assists. He had a double-double. 12 assists, 15 points. And by the way, Marquise Noel is the fastest Wildcat in program history to 2,000 assists. The fastest. His turnover, his, his assist-to-turnover ratio is in the top 50 individually in the country and best in the Big 12, like for the majority of last year. I think as much as anything, it's the shooting that has people, they, they don't like sometimes the choice of shot. Like taking it in inside and he gets swatted. And, exactly. You know, you know, driving like he's 6'3 and not 5'8. A, a feeling that he needs to be a distributor, not so much a shooter. I would disagree with that, but his shot selection definitely can improve in some areas, as any player's shot selection, honestly, can improve in some areas. But I think that that's where we get this divide, because I don't think that people are watching close enough to understand that assist-to-turnover ratio, as an example. Because what they're seeing is, what they feel is a shot selection that they that they think is harmful. His assist-to-turnover ratio is 3.36. Good grief. That is 27th in the country and best in the Big 12. Good he, grief. He's averaging 8.2 assists, 2.4 turnovers a game. And like I mentioned, where where he makes up for his mistakes with the turnovers, his three highest turnover games are also his three highest scoring games this season. Okay, makes sense. So if he if he costs up the basketball, he's gonna he's gonna respond by going to get you some points. So it's a wash. Now Marquise Noel, I really appreciate his work. He makes a lot happen for K State and the supporting cast around him. And I've said this before, and I'm gonna keep saying it because I think it's a big improvement from last year. K State is not only more athletic, oh gosh, but they can handle his passing, and his passing can happen very quick. It kind of feels like sometimes it just comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but like David Gasson is a great example. He was ready for it every time. He caught everything. And most of the time he's going up and trying to score that basketball. What we have seen from the last five, six, seven years of bigs and when they get the ball after a pass to the paint is the opposite of what David Gasson was doing, where he's trying to go most of the time, trying to go straight up and go score that basketball, and he got a lot of trips to the foul line because of that. And that's another example of K-State more improved. They're getting to the foul line, they're attacking, and doing a better job of that. Gasson was 9 for 9 for 23 points. It wasn't good from the free throw line, 4 of 11. But the aggressiveness. Too much have we seen just bigs just kind of sit there when they get the ball, and they're like, they're just waiting for a guy to get up in the air because they're expecting to get fouled. Let me point this out from 
the having watched from afar stretch of K-State basketball, predominantly the Frank Martin era, what was one of the number one things that this team did very well when Frank was head coach? Got to the foul line. They were tremendous. They were among the national leaders in terms of free throws shot. They were good at creating opportunities that got themselves to the foul line. We're seeing the return of that right now. This team recognizing that you need to get to the line some and have your bigs be the ones that are driving some of that offense low, and we've got bigs that can handle that right now. They certainly got to the free throw line last night, 29 times. Butler game is an example of not getting to the free throw line. Yes. I think they got three free throws out of that. Yes. But, I, you know, what What I have noticed in this last couple of games, especially last night, especially against Butler, where K-State out of the, out of the gate just has a tough time matching the energy okay. of the other team. Sure. I, Abilene Christian came out just shooting threes like crazy, and they were making them. They made like six threes early in the game, and then like in the first five minutes, and then the rest of the game they make one. You know, case they made their adjustments, but it was you know they fell victim to too much help defense, switching on screens or not switching, and then you're leaving three point shooters open in case they couldn't get out and get a hand in front of them. Um, but they were better in that area as the game went on. It just and I mentioned that in Minch Palm, you know, this is a team that likes to shoot the three-pointers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They shoot 22 a game, and last night they shot 19. They were still average at 37%. They still finished at an average clip after making six very early in the game. They were like six of eight to begin the game, and right. the rest of the time they were one for 11 or something like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, energy, I mean, Abilene Christian, they made so many great cuts, so many backdoor cuts. And they had a lot of easy buckets. But going back to the attacking, K-State finished with 52 points in the paint. They made just, oh, that's great. They made just five field goals last night that was not in the paint. And three of them were from three-point range and you know three for 12. Yeah, the jump shots aren't falling like they want you to, like you want them to. And I think this is a, another game where I think K-State a handful of times have left us just wanting more. Like, we know they can do more. They left a lot out there. They didn't convert. They could have had a lot more. They just didn't get there. I'm hoping they will because this is a talented team. You know, Keontae Johnson was a big focus on Abilene Christian's defense last night, and that's what got David Gasson open. And David Gasson was finishing. And I'm glad he had that breakout game. And they, K-State really needed it. They, they had seven deep last night. Abayami Ejiola is out with an injury. Ish Masood is day-to-day. He's out with an injury. From what I heard, they're both foot injuries. K-State, I think it's time to rip up the floor. They're at the ice <laughs> facility, ice basketball training facility. Just rip out that floor and replace it. It's about time we do so because it's it, something with the floor, even with the change of, of coaching staff and support staff, there's something with that floor. I don't know what it is. It's time to just Start getting some hammers, get some sledgehammers, get some crowbars, and start ripping it out. It's time for a new floor. Kindling for a fire next year ahead of homecoming. Bonfire. Something. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. If foot injuries for I, bigs yeah. galore over the, since that training facility was built. So I, 
And I, I don't think women's basketball has an issue with that. I don't think it's really been an issue hmm. too much. So it's just on that men's side. I, I don't know why, but it's time to do something. Um, but, um, man, what a quick start that was for Abilene Christian last night. After they got out to that 14-point lead about halfway through the first half, K-State was able to turn it around. And then from there on out, K-State dominated. Absolutely dominated. And uh, Cats win by 17. Mitch Palm said 16, but they win by 17. We'll take it. All right, when we come back, debut of a new segment. Has to be around the Sugar Bowl and about the opt-outs. Coming up next. I'm going to dedicate the rest of the show to the K-State fans out there that are going to be taking a train oh. from uh, basically from Topeka to New Orleans. Good call. I saw a couple of cats out there talking about it. I think one made a decision to do so. Another one is thinking about it. Well, I, it made me want to look up you know, the details. Like, for instance, we're leaving on Wednesday the 28th to go to New Orleans. And, yes. we, of course, we're going to fly. I, I got his flights out of Wichita to get there. But I wanted to look up like what it would cost, what it would take, because I, 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 I figured it would take a little while to get down there if you took a, uh, a train. So the details that I got here from Amtrak says that, uh, so from the Topeka station to the New Orleans station, you have two options. It's really the same same trip here. I don't know why they give me two different options. Maybe it's like one's a little bit better than the other when it comes to leisure. I don't know how all that works. I've never taken a train anywhere other than, of course, like a subway in New York City or something. This is completely different. This is like a, you know, it's a choo-choo train. I don't know how else to say it. You know, it's an actual train track outside. Um, (laughs) Okay, so from Topeka to New Orleans, it would take 34 hours and 14 minutes. Okay. And it would cost $211, just the trip to, not including from. Okay. Sound like a pretty good deal to you? It does, but that's because I'm intrigued about doing a train ride at some point and haven't had the opportunity to do so yet. Yeah, but from Topeka to New Orleans. Yes. I, well, scenically, would that be appealing? Uh, depending on route. Well, now, I, I will say with this trip, I'm sure you know a lot of K-State fans are considering this because of the outrageous plane mm-hmm. uh, fl- flight prices and it's also if you were to drive it's a little over 14 hours and that's not including stops i've done it twice it's a long trip now, the drive to louisiana isn't bad I, I i enjoyed that part of it unless you take the route through mississippi it's a complete dump in mississippi not a, not a joyous dump like louisiana is uh so uh, yeah it, it's a long drive but that could be fun now but on a train you can like i think you can like bring your own booze and Make a party out of it. That'd be a long party. Valid. But But, there is some entertainment in that. Yeah, leave the driving to us is the gist of it. I mean, and I'm going to admit to to the, you know, old guy would like to do this because he hasn't done this type of aspect of it as well. Okay. Um, You know, I mean, for crying out loud, my dad worked for Santa Fe for 30 years. True. So there's there's a lure there where I would just like to say that I've done it. Um, you know, I, I always envisioned just for the entertainment factor, 
taking UNC's football team to Ogden, Utah to play Weber State, Amtrak, do it like the real old days, such Uh as Notre Dame going out west to play Southern Cal. Just because it would be, it's that romanticism in your mind of of what a train trip is. And I and I, I think that that's probably my my lure to it. I would feel like though, like eight hours into it, you're like, man, I am over this. Like it's a this is a long trip. I've done I've done twenty four like, hour bus rides. I think I'd yeah. be all right with the train. I've actually done that too, and that sucked. <laughs> it sucked. It sucked. I took a charter bus from uh, from Abilene to Detroit. Oh boy! Once upon a time, and that was it was brutal. Uh huh. Especially trying to sleep, impossible. Right. Uh, All right, I want to debut this new segment around the Sugar Bowl, and it's kind of a daily thing. Maybe the segment won't be a daily thing. It just depends on what happens. I'm going to call it the Sugar Bowl opt-out stakeout. And if it's a stakeout, like the movies, we need some music, right? Troy, uh, Troy, you got any more donuts over there? A little late in the day. All right, we're at the uh, we're at the Alabama facilities. We're there in Tuscaloosa. Binoculars out. We're watching the door to see if any of those opt out suspects are going to be coming out anytime soon. They haven't yet, but here is who is on the radar for Alabama. For, first of all, let's start with K State. Let's start with K State. I think that's the ones we already know. So I'm just going to kind of repeat the news. So when it comes to the potential opt-outs, and I'm not I'm not talking about transfer portal. I'm talking about opt-outs for the NFL draft. Opt-outs leave early, prepare for the draft, not playing the uh, bowl game. You don't want to risk any injury. For K State, it would be Deuce Vaughn, Felix, Andy, DK, Uzama, and Cooper Beebe. No surprises there. But Dy told us earlier he expects us expects them all to play. For Alabama, not exactly the case. Alabama has already had 11 players jump into the transfer portal. Two of them starters, one at wide receiver, one on the offensive line. Uh, a lot of them, you know, not a whole lot of playing time, but also three wide receivers have jumped into the portal. Treshawn Holden, 25 catches, 331 yards and six touchdowns. He's out. JoJo Earl, freshman All-SEC team as a returner. He also had 12 catches for 155 and two scores. Uh, Trey Sanders, a backup running back who has 80 yards and a touchdown. He's actually already going to Colorado to play for Deion Sanders. And then five offensive linemen are out. The starter is guard Javion Cohen. He's out, and he's uh, he's going to be in the transfer portal. Now, here is who we are watching for the opt-outs. Bryce Young, quarterback, expected to be first-round draft pick. High first-round draft pick, making a ton of money. Former Heisman Trophy winner. He's last year's Heisman Trophy winner, so I guess he's the reigning defending, but Mm -hmm. he's not going to win it this year. He was not invited to New York City before other quarterbacks have been invited. But his his draft win last year either. Yeah, his draft stock, though, is so high, it would be surprising to see him not opt out. Same story for defensive end, linebacker, whatever you want to call him, Will Anderson, who I voted to win the Heisman Trophy last year. He is also a high first-round projected draft pick. Ten sacks on the year. I think he led the country in sacks a year ago. An absolute beast. 
If I was on that case at all, it's, it's scary. Scary to have to face one of the best defensive players in the country. But also, it doesn't stop there. The, the secondary for Alabama is really good. So good that both safeties, Jordan Battle and Brian Branch, are projected to be first-round or very early second-round picks. They have a quarterback in Malachi Moore, who is also a first-round draft pick projection in that secondary. And then I mentioned him in the first hour, the running back, Jameer Gibbs, who is almost as important in the receiving game as he is in the running game. He is a third-leading receiver with about 400 yards, and he also leads the team in, uh, in rushing yards at 850 this season. And he averages 6.3 yards per carry. So those are the six players that are on the radar of opting out. We have three and a half weeks to go. Alabama always expects to get into the college football playoff. Mm -hmm. They are not going to. Nick Saban has lost more than two games twice at Alabama, and I think he started in 07. Yep. And didn't you tell me during one of the breaks that Alabama has only like one losing season ever? Oh, uh, one uh, one winless season ever. Oh, winless. One 0-10 okay. campaign. I was going to say, there were some iffy seasons there what, in the early 2000s. Yeah, one winless season, 1955. So Troy and I and, and DG, when it gets back, we're going to be stuck in this car for three and a half weeks. Just waiting outside the, the facilities in Tuscaloosa to see, all right, who is actually going to pull themselves out of this game, not playing the bowl game, and get ready for the NFL draft. Hey, hey, anybody got a recommendation on right guard that'll work for three and a half weeks? I'm sure Alabama has plenty of talent. <laughs> oh, no, I meant right guard as in deodorant. We're going to need it staked out here that long. Not what I thought when you... <laughs> you would have preferred Old Spice? <laughs> I've been trying this, like, Axe. I like the gel. I'm sorry. I like the, the gel. Well, here's like, the yes. I like the gel deodorant. I'm not exactly right. like the white deodorant guy. Yeah. I like it get on my clothes and stuff. I There was a store here in town that had the, the Axe deodorant on sale. I mean, it was cheap. Sure. And I bought, like, eight of them. Stock up, you know? <laughs> and they don't... Oh, it's not good. It, it, it smells great. But just the longevity of it. Right. It doesn't last long. Like, I'm... Right, I'm old now. I, I got you. you well, know, uh, it just doesn't last long. Last losing season, 2003, 4-9. They had one in 2003 and 8. 4-7 and seven in 1997. Otherwise, let's see. You have to go back to 84 for a losing record. From 97, oh, yeah. 84 to 97, they did not have a losing record. This is going to be Alabama's 17th Sugar Bowl. 17. Now, I think they've won just one in the last four, if I remember correctly. One in the last four. They not, did not, not like that matters. But. They did not have a losing record from 1955 in that 0-10 season. Until 1984. Yeah, pretty rich tradition, I'd say. Good God. 
Like That's four, unbelievable. Like 47 national championships. But you know what? When's the last team? What's when's the last time a Big Twelve team beat Alabama? Look that up. Oh, it was probably Oklahoma, right? It was Oklahoma a few years ago. I, I'm going to bet on that. Oh, I forgot yeah. about that game. Actually, I think that was a Sugar Bowl. <laughs> I think that was a Sugar Bowl. <laughs> when's the last time a Big Twelve team other than Oklahoma beat? The Alabama Crimson Tide. I'll give you that homework while we take a break. And when we come back, number one song of the day after these words. So Nick Saban has lost to one Big 12 team during his time at Alabama. That was the Sugar Bowl I was talking about. But it, that Sugar Bowl doesn't feel like it was that long ago. Right. I, I, I thought it was like five years ago. No, it was the 2013 season. It was January 2nd, 2014, Alabama, or Alabama, Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl. It's crazy. Is that the last Sugar Bowl that Alabama has played in? No. That wasn't a playoff game. I guess no. that would, yeah, okay. The last, um, let's see, the last Sugar Bowl they played in was 2018 against Clemson. So, playoff game. That was a playoff game. Won that one, then they played, okay, and lost to the Sooners and lost to uh, Ohio State in back-to-back Sugar Bowls. And then lost to Utah in the Sugar Bowl in 09. Let's see here. What's uh, Sugar Bowl? Oh, they beat wow. Miami in 93. 16 previous. Uh, by the way, with the, the opt-out segment, I don't want to make it sound like I, I feel like the only way K-State can beat Alabama is if all these guys opt out of the game. It's just it's a part of the game. It is. It, it's, you know, it's. I mean, let's not let's not kid ourselves if. Bryce Young opts out of the game. You're feeling a lot better about the chances. Will Howard opts out. Uh, Will Howard. Uh, Will Anderson opts out of the game. You're feeling a lot better about the chances. Just what it is. It's you know, it's kind of what we're expecting to happen. I did mention earlier if K State and Alabama play each other, and if it was today, you know, I think it's a close game. I really do. All right, let's get to a number one song of the day, Troy. I'm sure you'll remember this one. Um, um. Only because I dig on it. How do you say his last name? I, I know it is Masakella. Is that right? Uh, Hugh Masakella? Miss right? Kayla. Miss Kayla? Miss Kayla. Okay. Anyway, from 1968, Grazing in the Grass. Number 10. Whoops. Troy just, or not Troy, but uh, Travion just pushing buttons over there. Two weeks at number one. Trumpeteer, singer, composer. He also played a bunch of other mu- uh, mu- uh, instruments. He's from Imalalini, South Africa. Got to be the first person from actually Africa to be a number one hit. Uh, Described as the father of South African jazz. At the age of 14, he saw a film named Young Man with a Horn featuring Kirk Douglas. He's like, you know what? I want to be like that guy. I want to be this jazz musician so because of that movie he became one 
2016, he received a Lifetime Achievement Award by MTV Africa at their Music Awards. Unfortunately, he died in Johannesburg, South Africa, January 23rd of 2018 from prostate cancer. He was only 78 years old, but 49 studio albums and a one-hit wonder in the United States. And this was from his eighth studio album, The Promise of the Future. I gotta be honest with you, I like I don't mind jazz. And man, I might send a few folks into the ditch on this one. I think this is kind of an annoying song. Dude. It's a vibe. It's crazy. Like I think how- the cowbell is too much. <laughs> he is going ham on it. But it's interesting during this time, like, that instrumentals would just go number one, which that doesn't really happen anymore. Well, and this was also, you know, the late 60s. That was also kind of a, if there was a heyday for, like, any sort of trumpet, music featuring trumpets, if there was a heyday, it was probably back then. Well, let's just go back to the concert that we talked about me and my parents seeing in September. Go ahead. Uh, you know, I mean, the the, the fact that uh, you're you're talking about just even the Tijuana Brass at that point is was it know, Herb Alpert? Herb Alpert okay. and the Tijuana yeah. Brass. Well, you know, Herb Alpert, he was you know, one of kind of the one that launched the popularity of right. Of uh, you know, if you want to say jazz or just trumpet music, trumpet music was a rage at one time. Uh, but he was he also you know, Herb Alpert was known for the song "This Guy's in Love with yes. You." Well, "Grazing in the Grass" was actually knocked out, or uh, Herb Alpert's song "This Guy's in Love with You" was actually knocked out of the top <laughs> spot by "Grazing in the Grass." <laughs> Back when, by the way, Top Forty Radio was really Top Forty Radio because the crossovers were dramatic. This song was ever ever like wasn't meant to be really. Uh, because they had this contract agreement with the record label that said, all right, your album has to be 30 minutes, at least 30 minutes. Well, nice. they were three minutes short. So uh, one of the guys in the band was like, hey, uh, I remember this song from back in the day from this guy by uh, out of Zambia, and it's called Mr. Bull Number 5. Can't imagine how annoying Mr. Bull Number 3 was. Dude. Anyway, they banged this song out in an hour, <laughs> and they put it on the album. And the producer was like, guys, this is a, this could be a hit. Yeah, this is a banger. So they threw in the cowbell and made a song out of it, and it went number one in the United States. So, believe it or not, so kind of a really odd fact about this song, the guitar player is Bruce Langhorn in the recording. You know the song Mr. Tambourine Man by Bob Dylan? Written by Bruce Langhorn? No, that song is about Bruce Langhorn. Oh, geez. Just an odd fact. And by the way, this is also featured in Allstate commercials last year. You yes. Remember that? Yeah, briefly. That's where I remember. Also, I know Dave used to use this as bed music. I'm like, this isn't exactly Blue Oyster Cult cowbell usage. <laughs> they knew how to keep it chill. Oh, God. Chill. Listen to you. The cowbell shouldn't be the feature instrument. (laughs) Will Ferrell would like a moment. (laughs) 
Well, I suppose since no DG is here, Travion, are you prepared? Yes, I am. All right. All right, before we fire off some Ask Us Anything, we're actually going to take a call. Ron from Manhattan wants to talk a little bit about taking trains to sporting events. What's up, Ron? Hey, how you doing? Not too bad uh, yourself? I just, good, good. Uh, I just wanted to comment. Now, are you saying, uh, if I understood you correctly, that that uh, Amtrak's going to take 34 hours from, from Topeka to... Louisiana. Yeah, that's according to the website. That's how long the trains the the trip's supposed to take. Is that round trip? No, uh, it it just says from Topeka to New Orleans. Wow. Okay. Well, then my call probably is not relevant. But but um, our our trip was from Kansas City to Chicago, and it was eight hours. But it was a wonderful trip. And uh, I'm six five, and and uh, as far as leg room and stuff like that, why uh, there's there's plenty. It's like you can you can make it to where you're. It's like in a sofa. Yeah, I've heard good. Th- I, I know a lot of people like to take the trips from uh, Topeka to Chicago for you know whatever, just kind of a quick vacation or whatever. But I so you're saying like 34 hours? That sounds like way too long of a trip. That uh, that would be a a long trip. Yeah. Yes, it would. It absolutely would. But uh, yeah, from what I see here, yeah, it's supposed to be just one, like one, you know, just two, not from. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, um, if you got a shorter trip, uh, I'd recommend taking Amtrak because it's a lot of fun. I've taken Amtrak from New York City to Rahway, New Jersey, once upon a time. How long a trip was uh, that? About an hour. Oh, okay. Thanks, Ron. I really appreciate the call. You bet. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Now, before we also continue with uh, Ask Us Anything, I just want to say I got a text from my girlfriend that who is at Who Hot right now. I did not get an invite. <laughs> I am steaming hot right now about this this event that is taking place. I was not invited to Who Hot. I would would have loved to go. I would have gone. I got the invite, but you know, didn't. So uh, you know, whatever. I will just uh, have to take a Christmas present back. Uh, what do you got, Travion? All right. My first question is, what was a surprisingly really good movie in the theater for you? Like, what was one that you were just like, "Ah, I don't know if it's going to be good. And they're like, oh, it was actually like really good. I remember like uh, there was a G.I. Joe movie that came out like 15 years ago. I was like, all right, it's pretty good. I didn't want to go. I was like, my friends were going. I was like, we were in a different town. I was like, crap. I gotta go to this dumb movie. That was pretty good. Was it the one with the rock in it? I think that was it. Okay. Yeah. Well, that would explain a lot. Uh, Ali. I really didn't expect a lot out of Will Smith as Muhammad Ali and was very surprised. And I was actually rather surprised at the amount of history that they dug into personal history of Ali in that movie. That's probably where he learned how to slap, was <laughs> filming the Ali movie. <laughs> Make it sting! <clears throat> Did you ever play a prank on someone that got you in trouble? Well, or, well first of all, what, what was oh, your mine? answer? The new Godzilla, the like first new one from like 2014. I was surprised by that one. Because I didn't think it was going to be as good as it was. And what's your next question? I forgot. Um, did you did you ever play a prank on someone that got you in trouble, or just what was your best prank ever? Uh, there was one that almost got me fired from here. 
I wondered, uh, yeah, I was waiting on I, this I one. I think I've shared this before, but I somebody, uh, well, I was the boss at the time, Sean Rock of K-Rock, put uh, this bulletin on the board that said, don't leave water cups lying around. And what I did is I took about 100 water cups out of the break room, the little small styrofoam cups, filled them about half full and left them all over the studio. Got in big trouble for that one. That's pretty good. But we still laugh about it today <laughs> after the smoke cleared. Was the smoke from the uh, equipment or just the... <laughs> well, so I've been a bit bashful since then about doing pranks, but uh, man... Um, <laughs> I did put Vaseline under everybody's car door uh, handles once upon a time. Oh, boy. Just something annoying. You know? Sure. Yeah. I used to be a big prankster. Troy doesn't seem like much of a prankster to me. No. Do you have an answer? No, because I've had too many pranks played on me. But you don't respond? No. I you Just take them too personally? Yeah. yeah. More like just don't have the time or energy. Look out. Yeah, that's what I was afraid of. Look out. That's what I was afraid of. Going to start a prank war. Oh, God. Haven't had one in a while. That's the show. See you tomorrow.